Welcome back, Literary Slummers, to another episode of Shelf Aware, the podcast where we read books outside of our comfort zone. I'm Em. And I'm Anna. So this fortnight, we read, or this week, should I say this week? This time on this podcast, (laughs) (laughs) we read a book um, that Em disliked strongly from her childhood, or just, did you dislike it strongly? Did you hate it? Um... Well, this is kind of getting into how I feel about the genre in general, but I'll say I was confused by it when I first encountered it. I can see why. Yes. So this is the book we read. It is Skellig by David Almond, and it is a book that Em chose to start out her uh, magical realism unit. I don't know. I was going to say musical realism, which maybe is a a genre I would love. (laughs) I don't know. Um, (laughs) So Em, tell tell us about your first experiences of Skellig and why you chose it for this particular episode. Okay, so I feel like I read this book. Well, I say read. I didn't read this book. Um, My experience with Skellig the first time around was probably the worst way to experience Skellig, which is like read out loud as a bedtime story over multiple nights. No! (laughs) (laughs) So I I guess my mom probably like picked this up at the Scholastic Book Fair or whatever. uh-huh. Probably was around the time it was published then because I would have been like seven or eight, mm-hmm. I guess, which would have been a time that my mom was still reading us bedtime stories. Um, and I think it was with one of my brothers. She was reading to both of us. I think it was with Michael remember. because was he it? said that your mom used to call him Skellig because he was so bony, <laughs> <laughs> which is like <laughs> such a major burn. <laughs> But that was oh, the no. only thing he remembered about this book. So, oh no! <laughs> well, I mean, fair. <laughs> it, it, that's not a good way to consume this book. Is there a good way to consume this book? <laughs> <laughs> but this was my first uh, experience with the genre of magical realism, and I was very confused by it mm-hmm. and um, a little disturbed. Probably would be the thing. <laughs> yeah. That's that's a lot how I felt as an adult reading this for the first time this past weekend. <laughs> I had to text M because I was not there were no like content warnings for this when she told me she, we were going to read this book. She's like, here's a book I read as a kid. It's a children's book. Should be fine. I was like, great. And then I'm reading it at like 10 o'clock at night. And the first thing that happens in this book is this young child stumbles into his garage at home and there's like a dead man in there eating spiders and <laughs> and bugs and rats. And I'm just like, okay, what is this horrible thing? <laughs> I would say my experience with Skellig and kind of my introduction to magical realism, again, we'll get into this probably next week, if this counts as magical realism because of the whole like, is it magical realism if it's not written by a Latino, Latina, Latinx author? Yeah. It, it definitely comes into play. But I... I think that in general, every time I've encountered magical realism since then, it's been kind of, and I'm not super familiar with the genre at all. Yeah, I'm not either. I haven't read really any of the big names. Yeah, pretty much. The the only ones I've read that some people consider magical realism, but again, are not by Latinx authors. Uh, some people say Night Circus is magical realism by oh, Aaron yeah. Morgenstern. Mm-hmm. Um. Neil Gaiman's Ocean at the End of the mm-hmm. Lane. And uh, there was one more that I was like, oh, yeah, I've read that. Oh, Beloved by Toni Morrison. Mm-hmm. 
which all three of those I've liked to varying degrees, but like in general, my takeaway has always been like, I am confused and slightly disturbed pretty much across the board. And (laughs) I don't know if that's how I'm supposed to feel, but the genre also kind of confuses me because I feel like it's fantasy where they just don't explain things. Yes. And that I was don't my love that. That's my thing. I love, I love spec fact, obviously, but I love a very detailed, like, tell me every minute details about your magic system. I need to know mm-hmm. why everything mm-hmm. is occurring. It's kind of like why I like Brandon Sanderson. Cause it's like 700 pages of explaining why the magic system is, but sure. like it's, I need that in order to feel invested in the world and to be like, yeah, this makes sense. Yeah. I'm on board. But I feel like most of the time with magical realism, and again, just the ones that I've read, which don't even count as magical mm-hmm. realism, according to some, um, mainly my takeaway has been like, oh, this was written to dissect in an English class, right? It yeah. was, it's like or- fantasy for... It's like the book that your English teacher would pick because she's like, oh, you kids like fantasy. I'm going to give you this. Yeah. And then everyone's miserable the whole time. We're like, this isn't what we wanted. We wanted a magic school. It's all just metaphors. Everything's a metaphor. Uh, Yes. And I don't know. It's just like the whole surrealist genre, right? Where Mm -hmm. the whole point is to just like be weird. Yeah. But I can get on board with some of that. But I don't know. Sometimes it's just like we're being out of the box just to be out of the box. Right. Like I felt, especially with this one, a lot of them, like a lot of times I feel like good metaphors, number one, are meant to explain things more, Mm -hmm. not not obfuscate things. Mm -hmm. And number two, like are natural. The author, you, you have that debate of like, did the author mean this as a metaphor or not? Like, most of the time, the stuff in here, I was like, okay, David Allman's putting this in to put in a metaphor. Like, Yes. Yeah. And it was just a lot. Now I'm looking forward to the rest of the genre because I feel like I haven't actually read magical realism as it is intended, which is by colonized authors. Yes. Um. So I'm, I'm looking forward to getting into, into that. But my experience with the the edges of the genre, I guess, are very um, underwhelming, I think. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I've not really been, and I haven't read any magical realism that maybe is authentic, I guess, it would be the word you could use. Sure. I don't know if I've read any that is like that, but I have read what people call magical realism written by white authors. And like you said, it's just been kind of like, I guess that's like a literary tool that you're using, but I don't know if I needed it in my life. So yeah, yeah, I'm I'm interested to see something more from the roots of the genre. Maybe mm-hmm. like I really, I don't know. I'll have to look for when I pick our book for the next episode of this because a lot of like the Gabriel Garcia Marquez books are a little bit too long for our podcast, but I do right, have right. one um, that I think will work out very nicely. So yeah, I just. There's a lot about this that I feel like came off as a bit too pretentious just because of yes. where the author is coming from, maybe. Now, all that being said, mm-hmm. would you recommend this book to anyone? I mean, 
Yes. I think I would recommend it to that kid that maybe not like, like a preteen kid who's into the spooky stuff, right? That's into mm-hmm. a little bit of the weird. Creepy little weirdos. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> like running around in their goth makeup. <laughs> um, but honestly, like I think this book would have worked well if it was written towards adults, but it's not. So I guess right? like if you're a younger person who has a more mature reading style or reading habits or whatever, yeah. then this would probably go over well. But honestly, it's just a little bit too strange, a little bit too, uh, I don't know. I don't want, I don't want to like say young readers are stupid, but there's a lot of layers to this one. So I'd have, I'm hesitant to just be like, everyone should read it. I know this is a lot of accolades. Yeah. It's like some people say it's the best YA book ever written, which mm, I don't know about all that, but <laughs> yeah, I definitely agree with the creepy little weirdos. Um, mm-hmm. I think, and I'd say that lovingly. I think that um, <laughs> we were, I was a creepy little weirdo. I was a creepy little weirdo. Uh, I think that it's hard because I feel like the characters are very young in this, but I feel like, generally you read up right as a kid like uh-huh. you read characters who are a couple years young older than you mm-hmm. and i feel like i'm not exactly sure how old the characters are supposed to be in I this think book, michael but is I... 10 okay yeah i feel like i guess that's around the right age so maybe that age group uh-huh a little bit heavier, heavier stuff. stuff yeah um not anything too terrible. Not as terrible as I thought it was going to be for a while. <laughs> I don't think book. I would suggest this for young readers who are expecting a new addition to the family. Yeah, no. <laughs> that's a good, I think that's, that's a like a caveat. hard no. Don't don't let them read this. <laughs> right, right. Give it a few years. Um, I also think that like I reading it now as an adult, I did enjoy it like a lot more than I thought I, I mm-hmm. would because I understood what was going on because I wasn't like a seven-year-old having it read to me yeah. over multiple nights. Uh-huh. <laughs> I imagine that changes your reading. Yeah. I think I, I mentioned earlier Ocean at the End of the Lane. I think maybe like Neil Gaiman kind of fans might mm-hmm. be into this, especially if you've got like a young Neil Gaiman fan who likes Graveyard Book and Ocean at the End of the Lane maybe, mm-hmm. or like Coraline. Um, oh yeah, definitely Coraline fans would like this book. Yeah, this is kind of up that alley, mm-hmm. right? Of that sort of vibe. Yes. Yeah, but I, I definitely don't think it was a bad book by any means. I just... I was not prepared for it. I really I, wasn't. <laughs> I should have prepared you more. <laughs> it's like my face in the middle of the night, like one lamp on in the house. I'm just like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> Turning off my phone for the night. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I'm a little bit sad that this wasn't written for adults. I think it would have made a good uh, kind of like a maybe like a frame story, you know, like an adult Mm. looking back on their childhood and questioning whether or not things actually happened the way they thought they did or something like that. Or, or a big fish situation where a son or father's telling a story to a son or something like that. I don't know. It's interesting you bring that up because that's going to come into play with my recommended reading this week. Nice. Nice. Same wavelength. All right. So I guess we should get into what this book is about. Yes. Not a not a ton. <laughs> not a ton. The plot's pretty simple. A lot of metaphors. Lot, yeah, there's a lot of weight behind the simple plot. Mm-hmm. But you know what? This is our podcast, and we're going to make fun of it. So, <laughs> Y'all Stop ready for here. some dead baby jokes, because it's probably coming. Yep, yep. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I don't have any in mind, but I just feel like the 
the uh, subject matter here is going to lead to that at some point. Oh, gosh. (laughs) So Michael is a young boy whose family has just moved into a creepy rundown house because their family is growing. I actually had a question about this. Okay. Was it that their family was growing or was it that they were having money troubles? Because that's the vibe I got. That it was like they had to leave their nice house and move to this creepy busted house because... Like, because there was, like, a thing the dad said about, like, oh, I'm working so hard to bring you guys home money and whatever. Yeah. And, like, with the baby and stuff, I thought maybe, like, the medical complications. Co- but I guess it is England. I don't know. When did they start having nationalized health care there? Um, Probably by 98, I would imagine. Maybe. I don't no know. No way to know. I think, though, because there was a line in here about how the baby came too soon. And so I think mm. that they bought it with the intention of having it all nice and ready gotcha. for baby. But then that kind of got fucked up. I don't know. I was just trying to make it more sad and depressing in my head, I think. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) the vibe of the book lends itself well to that. (laughs) Uh, But the previous occupant of this house was an older man who, like, died in it. And no one found out he was dead for a week. Very sad. Nice. And so it has, like, all these weird additions to it. Like, there's a toilet in, in the living room because... He couldn't go up the stairs to go to the bathroom and everything is just very gross and hoarderish style. <laughs> uh, so it's a huge fixer upper. And like I said, Michael's baby sister is born prematurely and has a heart condition that she may or may not survive. I don't know how much of that was communicated to Michael um, because he just goes around telling people like, mm, she might die. She might live. <laughs> Which was like why I felt like he was younger than 10 because... Mm-hmm. I think he is supposed to be, like, 10 from what they're learning in school and whatever. But, mm-hmm. like, that seems like a thing that, like, a really little kid would be doing, right? Like, yeah. of going around being like, oh, my baby sister might die. Like, I feel like once you're in the double digits, you kind of have a little bit more social awareness than that. Yeah, you don't just say that to the adults in your life. Just be like, let me talk to you about my possibly soon-to-die de- soon baby sister. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Michael seemed... He seemed dumb, right? Like, he was just kind of dumb. I, again, because I wasn't sure what age he was, I read him more as young, mm. but I guess that would translate to dumb if he is supposed to be 10. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of times he's asked questions and he's just like, I don't know. I don't know. And I'm just like. Just Which like, I preferred to one of the other child characters in this book, Mina, who was insufferable. She is precocious child TM. Like, oh my God. Capital P, capital C. So irritating. so while exploring his new home michael stumbles upon the garage which his parents have told him not to enter because it is about to fall down but michael goes inside anyway and inside he finds a strange almost skeletal man hiding amongst the boxes and this dude's just like chomping on dead bugs and spiders and rodents and leaving behind owl pellets and like (laughs) you know yeah the usual Uh, So the first time Michael comes across him, he runs from him, obviously. That's terrifying. And then he has, like, nightmares about him. But then he's like, "Mm, I'm going to go back to see what that guy wants. I want (laughs) to hang out with him. He seems seems interesting. You know, we've all been there before. You meet someone, they're clearly not right for you. They're clearly (laughs) bad influence. But you're just like, hmm, something about him, though. I'm just, this is working for me. I don't know. Do you feel this vibe between us, creepy old man in my garage? I love a project. I love a project. <laughs> a real fixer-upper. <laughs> so, 
So this being is super cranky and basically tells Michael to go away, but also that he needs aspirin and Chinese food and beer and that he <laughs> suffers from arthritis. And again, I don't know why Michael didn't go running. Like, this is just like, <laughs> come on now. Or like, tell anyone. That was the thing that I was I yeah. just, I didn't understand his, because creepy old man says like, don't tell anyone. Mm-hmm. Right. But it's like, okay, That's well, what are you going to do? Creepy old man. Say no, run away, tell someone you trust. There was, There's kind of like a moment where it seems like Michael thinks he might be having like a breakdown because he's like, I don't know if it's real or not. And he's like worried Mina won't see him. Yeah. And he just like doesn't go to school for a week because of it. Yeah. So it's like, maybe that's why, because it's like he didn't want his parents to think he was crazy. But at the same time, he seems to have a lot of trusted adults in his life who care about him and keep checking up on him and like literally just be like, hey, I need to show you guys something in the garage. Yeah. Yeah. And then if if they don't see it and it turns out it is a hallucination, just be like, look at all those owl pellets. Yeah. Isn't this gross? Or like like how in the end of the book, when they do finally tear down the garage, they're like, oh, look at all these empty beer bottles. You must have had a homeless guy living in here or something. Right. Like, I don't know, man. Michael does not have very good survival instincts is all I'm going to say. No. Like, it worked out for him in this instance, but next time he's going to get kidnapped. Like, Michael would not have been able to pull a hatchet. Let's just put it that way. No. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so, uh, and then later in the book, so this arthritis thing, I guess, is a thing. Because later in the book, Michael talks to a doctor at the hospital where his baby sister is being treated. And this doctor is like a arthritis doctor. And he's like real creepy right this doctor he's like the best thing for it is to go inside and cut him up and stick in little plastic bits into his joints and then sew it all together like he's like really going i read him as being more like like braggadocious like i thought he was being more like because every time michael approaches him he's in front of like other doctors and students they're like doing the rounds yeah yeah so i thought he was being more like well, you know, kid, the best thing for him is to come on, bring him on in so I can cut him on up and sew him up, you know, like, come on down to the arthritis shop. <laughs> yeah, like I thought he was being more like, more like uh, uh, Gaston-esque. Ah, That's a bad. Like... See, I was getting total Sweeney Todd vibes, like very mm. sinister. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I thought we had Dr. Death for the Sweeney Todd vibes, because there's the other doctor, Dr. Death, who comes to visit their house. Their pediatrician, yeah. Yeah, who's like, friends with his family and he's the one who's like well is he a pediatrician because he treated the old man so i guess just, oh, just general a family, family doctor, doctor i guess yeah. yeah uh who makes house calls yeah. in the 90s okay and calls his patients one of mine yeah ew. yeah so i got more of the creepy doctor vibes from him mainly because his nickname was dr death from i guess Michaels. there were kind of a lot of creepy adults though because then he has like his teacher's names are like rasputin and other like yeah, he gives but- him nicknames like that I thought that was more of a British thing because uh-huh. I think that's like a thing with British school kids where they're like, or a thing in books about British school kids <laughs> where they're like, they give all of their teachers nicknames. Maybe. So I I didn't find it creepy because I thought it was probably like, oh, probably the kids were like, he's got a gross beard like Rasputin. Uh, got him. <laughs> <laughs> Dragged him. <laughs> anyway. Michael is terrified. Then he isn't. And then he meets a girl next door named Mina, who is, as we said, the precocious child. Just the She's worst. Homeschooled, believes that traditional school setting turns children into like mindless slugs or something. And 
Jess is real obsessed with birds. Also, wasn't it weird that Mina was like so, like you said, anti anti establishment about school? And her mom really didn't seem that way. Her mom like was the, super chill. Her mom was so chill. And the couple times that Mina like went on a rant about stuff in front of her, her mom was like, God Christ, this shit again. I know. She's like, just tell Mina to shut up. Just Mina, please stop. You're embarrassing everyone. <laughs> this isn't so what like, I taught you, Mina. Where did you learn these radical ideas? Where did she get this? Like, it seems like her mom was probably like, yeah, I'll homeschool her because I feel like it. I don't yeah. know. I, it just works best for me and my family. And Mina like Mina's took it weird, to... so I can't have her in school. <laughs> right. Mina was getting bullied, so her mom had to pull her out of school. I think so. And then Mina like came up with this whole headcanon of like, oh, school is evil. And really, her mom was just like, your head has been in the toilet too many times. I can't. <laughs> she's like in her room listening to Rage Against the Machine. She's like thrashing. She's like, she hates school. <laughs> And then the other, like, big thing about the first part of the story is that Michael hears from several several people the origins of our shoulder blades are where our wings used to be, and maybe because of evolution, we don't have them anymore, but maybe also because of evolution, we may have them again someday. So it's very heavy-handed here because it's written for kids. This is also, I do want to point out the second children's book of the 90s where they're really going hard for evolution in schools right yes i was half expecting michael to turn into an alligator (laughs) honestly i was trying to figure it out like what was going on with that like like late 80s was i think when the like anti-evolution in schools kind of started coming up so like maybe this is kind of a response to that like these authors felt they needed to really go hard for like stopping stupid teach science (laughs) yeah I don't know um I don't remember honestly I was like I was probably Michael's same age when this book came out yeah and I don't remember it's not just like they're bringing up evolution as like a metaphor because of course they are but there's multiple people who say stuff like, oh, I think evolution's a myth. And, mm. Or like, oh, we didn't evolve from monkeys. And then everyone else is like, no, you're a stupid idiot. Of course we did. Listen to science. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, also, I went to school in Kansas, so I really I really can't say about evolution. When did I start learning about evolution in school? I don't think we learned about people evolution until, like, high school. Yeah. Yeah, we did Darwin probably, like, around freshman year of high school. And I know that the whole, like, teach the controversy thing was a thing. And I Mm -hmm. think that we, I believe when we learned about evolution, we were told, like, very heavily, like, this is a theory. And this is a thing that some people believe. And it was framed in a way that like, oh, but maybe. It gave the science teacher some wiggle room to say, I'm not teaching evolution. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like when we learned about the Bible in English class and we had to have like a whole disclaimer about like respecting religion and like respecting not religion, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, we, we skipped over that completely in my K through 12. Yeah. <laughs> So Michael starts to stay home from school more often due to the stress of taking care of the gross man in his garage and his baby <laughs> sister's illness. It's just a lot and he to and put Mina become 
pretty close friends or as close of friends as you can become within a week of hanging out solely with each other. And when one of you is a dumb idiot and the other one just likes lecturing people. Which is just the other problem I had with Mina is that like I really saw a lot of myself in her. (laughs) Mina was relatable. (laughs) (laughs) She just has a lot of facts and she wants to share them. (laughs) Yeah, I I didn't like the mirror that David Mm -hmm. Allman held up to my face. (laughs) (laughs) Mina constantly (laughs) insisting that everybody needs to read Blake and just quoting Blake all the time was a little reminiscent of I was on a trip with a friend this past week and basically every five minutes I was going hey so in this one episode of Critical Role (laughs) she doesn't watch it which is probably like me and your brother for the past two years before you started watching that's true that's true (laughs) (laughs) it's a circle of life (laughs) um nobody spoil critical role for me i'm really chugging through it oh my god emma's moving so quickly it's impressive (laughs) y'all or depressing or depressing either one (laughs) mina opens michael's eyes to nature and birds (laughs) because she's obsessed with birds and they go and visit lots of birds and birds in their nests and shit she talks about william blake um But the important takeaway for Michael is she teaches him to listen for the tiny sound of baby birds tweets and Michael closes his eyes and he hears them. And then when he opens his eyes, he feels that he can always hear them all of the time now. So deep. He uses this trick later. This was kind of the thing with this whole book, right? Of Mm -hmm. like Mina being so obsessed with birds. I didn't feel like it was like a natural choice of like, yeah, this is just a kid who happens to be obsessed with birds Mm -hmm. because I don't know, like her grandma got her a stuffed bird as a present when she was like five and it became her favorite animal or something, you know, Mm -hmm. it was like Mina's a kid who's obsessed with birds because we need someone to say a lot of bird facts so we can make a lot of metaphors about wings and hollow bones. Like, yeah. And even her mom is like, well, she's obsessed with birds this week, but last week it was like foxes. And the week before that, it was another type of creature. What if Mina was obsessed with trains and then all of the metaphors were about trains trains. and they had to go down to like the train yard and hang out with all the people that hitched rides on the trains. (laughs) And then, And then the creepy old man in the garage turned into a train at the end. Oh, my God. Yes. Yes. They were like, we have to take him down to the train yard. And they set him on the tracks and they left him there. And they're like, oh, all the other hobos came and they fed him from their little, like, their (laughs) handkerchiefs that they tied to their sticks. Bindles. Bindles. They're called bindles. Yes. And then then at the end, they all held hands and they all felt that, like, the steam – thing popped up out of their heads and they blew steam out and all went choo choo and michael would be like as we watched creepy man go running down the tracks it was (laughs) like i realized that all of life is a track and you can follow it to the end but you don't know where you're going and it would be like some heavy-headed oh my god it would just hit you over the it would be like you were getting hit by a train of metaphor And he started <laughs> moving his arms faster and faster. <laughs> and they started to look like the wheels of a train. And all of, the, all of Michael, you know how he has the thing where he like hoots really realistically and everyone's like, wow, you sound just like an owl. He would just do choo-choo noises. <laughs> but with the same trick. So he's just like, oh, I can't do it in the microphone. He just, <laughs> 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 
extraordinary. Absolutely extraordinary. <laughs> oh, this book should have been about trains. A hundred percent agree. You know, some people think we evolved from a train. <laughs> our shoulder blades are where our train doors used to be. But you know, uh, like, what were kids actually obsessed with in the late eighties or late nineties? It would have been like Furbies and Beanie Babies. What if he turned into a Furby? He turned into a Furby at the end. What if? What if he was a Furby the whole time? Oh my god! And then Michael had to put his fingers into the thing's little beak and push down on his tongue, and the Furby said, "Ooh, ooh." ooh. This one, did you have a Furby as a kid? I did. I had two Furbies. Wow, blessed. I, I know. Had one, and it freaked me the fuck out. Oh my, they never shut up in the middle they of the don't night. Shut up. I took its batteries out and it kept going. Oh my God. I don't know how. Though. Yours was actually haunted. <laughs> it was a possessed Furby that wanted to heal my baby sister's heart condition. Oh my gosh. It wanted to peck at her little heart until it, like, knit back together. <laughs> I mean, Furbies are kind of birds. Right? Furbies yeah. are, yeah, yeah, they got the beaks and kind of feathery looking a little bit. I think that stuff is supposed to be fur because. Oh, yeah, because they're fur bees and not feather bees. But who knows? Impossible to say. <laughs> oh. A lot of our commentary will make a lot more sense if you read the book. Yeah, this is true. Sorry, We're guys. really skipping ahead. <laughs> Uh, Michael's staying home from school and, oh, Mina also talks about the shoulder blade thing and talks about how people with wings may exist in secret. We would just never know because they had their wings. And Michael's like, let me take you to see this man in the garage. (laughs) (laughs) And they like hug him and stuff and they feel on the garage guy's shoulder blades where weird humps are that they're probably wings but they're like Ooh, they're like weird but mina's like oh my god his body he hasn't moved in so long he's like calcifying and he's like pretty soon his brain is gonna do that what is it called ossificate yeah. ossification it's gonna it's gonna do it and so i love him he's extraordinary let's move <laughs> him to this vacant property my family owns did you kind of get the sense that like Mina was horny for this man. A little bit. She immediately said she loved him. She kissed him several times on the cheek. Like it's either that or she's like, I really need a father figure. <laughs> You're gonna be him this week. Come here, my bird man. <laughs> Happy Father's Day, Birdman. <laughs> so they take him up to this bacon property. Um, where Mina had previously shown Michael there's like a family of owls that live there and they leave him up there with some blankets and some aspirin and they're like see ya hope you enjoy this change of scenery (laughs) Michael's school friends then come to visit him at his new home and there's just the scene where he's like I'm growing distant from my friends because I am maturing and going through difficult life issues at the moment and also this guy in my garage needs chinese food (laughs) my friends only want to play football they don't have to worry about mature adult concerns like (laughs) my dying baby sister and how i must feed birdman his chinese food (laughs) 
And also, I might be dating this girl next door named Mina. She loves birds. You children wouldn't understand a wouldn't deep understand. love like ours. Extraordinary. Extraordinary. She's just like the only thing Mina ever says about anything. It's just like extraordinary. Other people say it too. It's just like a pet word. That and blue bottles. Blue bottles were mentioned so many many times times. in this book. So many times. Like, we get it. It's an insect. It's like, who wrote this book? Jake from Animorphs? (laughs) And then, so his friends, like, tease him a bunch, and they kind of bully Mina, which, that's rude. They don't even know her, and they're making fun of her. I mean, but I would have bullied Mina, too. (laughs) Also, you would have been Mina, also. Yep. Yeah, I was very cruel to myself as a child. (laughs) (laughs) Very harsh on myself. (laughs) <laughs> Michael and Mina visit the mystery man up in the old property after after Michael's friends leave. He and Mina get in a fight where she basically says he's a stupid, normal boy. And he's like, ugh. And so they fight. But then they make up. They're like, let's be friends. And they go to visit the mystery man. And he has been growing stronger in their absence. <laughs> he's been eating the offerings from the owl family and being just so happy. And he's like, my name is Skellig, which is the title of this book, y'all. Yeah, we finally got there together. Yes. He's like, thank you so much for loving me. Um, well, now let us dance. And so they like join hands in a circle and spin around. And as they do so, Michael and Mina feel as if wings have grown out of their shoulder blades and they're flying and shit. But really, they're just spinning and dancing. Well, maybe they did actually fly because magical realism. Yeah, it really is unclear. Very unclear. Michael's baby sister is scheduled to have heart surgery and everyone is extremely worried about it. So using Mina's trick with the baby bird tweets that we talked about earlier, Michael closes his eyes to listen for his sister's heartbeat. And once he finds it, he feels it beating along with his own. And... Michael stays with Mina and her mother during the surgery, and while the surgery is happening, he feels his sister's heartbeat stop, and he passes out, and so he thinks that she has died. So, like, okay, so, like, if this was not a book, if the winged man was not featured in this book, and this is what was happening, mm-hmm. I think we would all understand that the heartbeat thing is just a metaphor and not real, right? Like, right. it's like not real but like because this is a book about a winged man yeah perhaps it is real and there's no way to know but if it is what like <laughs> did his baby sister die for a minute what 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 are we supposed to take away from this like yeah, i don't understand like, maybe she died on like technically died on the operating table and they resuscitated her i don't know and because he didn't have the new heartbeat he didn't know I just, I, it was confusing to me. And it was like, it felt like a cheap fake out. Uh, yeah, I agree. It was very manipulative for no reason. Because the, like, he even says, he's like, I could call, I'm going to call the hospital and find out. But then he didn't. He just like frets about it, which is what he would have done anyway if he hadn't done the heartbeat thing. Right. And again, I don't know if we're supposed to think that this is actually like a magical power that he now has, or if it's like, just a 10 year old being stupid yeah could be either yeah (laughs) i don't know uh but it wasn't a real thing because the sister makes it through surgery just fine 
And Michael's mom reveals when they go to visit the baby at the hospital after the surgery, Michael's mom reveals that she had a dream that a man with wings came to visit the baby before surgery. And after seeing him, the mom could tell that everything was going to go well and the daughter would grow to be big and healthy or something. That's a wild assumption to make. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I had a dream where a man, strange man came into my hospital room and lifted my baby up. I wouldn't immediately have been like at peace with that. I would, I would be very concerned. Do they ever say what his wings look like? I think they sort of do when they first reveal them. Cause they're like, Oh, they were like, hunched up and like messed up because they'd been like undercover so all their Mm -hmm. feathers were like fucked so they're definitely feathery not like bat wings because in this in the scene like the way she described the the wings i was thinking bat wings (laughs) i think they have feathers because at the end he gives them feathers feathers. so like unless he's growing those feathers somewhere else there's even they come out his butt They're One not at a time. His, they're not even his feathers. He got them at Michael's. <laughs> they're totally synthetic. Not even from the owls that he was living with. He, he went, went out and bought those. He stole them, actually, because he probably doesn't have a job. I I would say definitely doesn't have a job. <laughs> he has just been sitting completely still in a garage for who knows how long. <laughs> but in between, he does pick up lift rides occasionally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Michael and Mina go to visit Skellig one last time to say thanks, but he's like, nah, thank you. Also, I'm part human, part owl, and part angel. Peace. And he leaves. (laughs) Okay. Okay. (laughs) Why all those things? So, Also, is he actually all those things? Like, exactly. Is he actually like an angel, like a religious angel or is he like an angel because he was like he helped out with the situation he's a good samaritan metaphorical angel (laughs) where are we going are we are we going creationism or evolution here like where where is this (laughs) okay if he said if he's saying he's part owl that's Uh wild did your mom fuck an owl what angel mom fucked an owl (laughs) where does the human come in I don't know, man. It Like, that's three parts too many. <laughs> and then to just leave. I feel like he was meaning it more in, like, the, again, me- I guess, metaphorical sense of, like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm kind of human, but I'm also kind of like an owl. And I'm, because I do, I do, do, owl, I do pellets. Leave owl pellets. I ingest and- things whole and then have to spit out the parts I couldn't poop. <laughs> I'm also kind of like an angel. But I'm not saying that my mother literally fucked an owl. I'm just saying I'm like these things. Yeah. I'm not saying I have the genetics of an owl. I'm saying that I'm similar to an owl. But he has to have some of the genetics because I don't think people can make owl pellets. Well, have we tried? You got me there. <laughs> I have not tried. Let me let me do that. Don't let me pause mouse. this recording. I'm gonna go see if I can swallow an entire vole and then see what comes back up. <laughs> I mean, it's for science. For science. And then Skellig leaves forever, but then he like he left a heart drawing on the floor of this building, and he's like, "Me plus you equals forever." And then three feathers as a gift. <laughs> 
And then the baby comes home and Mina's like, can I come look at it? And they're like, sure. And she comes in and she brings a drawing of Skellig to her visitation of the baby. And the mom is like, oh my God, I was the guy I saw. And Mina's like, I just drew it because I felt like it. Bye. I looked at the baby and I'm leaving. And then they named the baby Joy. Ugh. Because it didn't have a name yet. Because I guess it was they were afraid she was going to die. So they didn't name the baby. They should have just not named her at the end. They I mean, not their baby. I'm not saying they should. They as people the shouldn't have named shouldn't her. Have they named just the shouldn't have told us. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just leave the baby nameless. Because Michael's suggestion for the baby name was Persephone, which was like, that's metal. Like, you know, your yeah. baby sister almost died and then dragged herself back to the world of the living. Metal. That's good. Awesome. They ate pomegranates. He was like, Persephone, love it. And everyone was like, no, it's such a long name. And it's like, just call her Percy for short. That's cute. Yes. That's cute. Yeah. Why are we, ugh. With Joy? Ew. His parents also suggested Angela at one point because she's like an she's angel. Like an and I'm like, angel. this is, you guys know. You sound ugh. like me at 13 trying to name things. You shouldn't be allowed to. Yeah. Let me name my OCs. Like- <laughs> right. <laughs> well, yeah. that was this book. Yeah. Yeah. There was a lot. There was like a lot of meaning to it but when you just like have to describe the plot this is basically all that happened (laughs) yeah it did make me cry but like everything does and also i just got back from california and my whole system is fucked right now so (laughs) pretty much anything could probably make me cry at the moment (laughs) so what specifically about this book or about magical realism in general or fantastic fabulism i think is the fabulism surrealism whatever you want other word you have for this genre um i don't know how this can be addressed because i think it is pretty much the trademark of the genre but i don't like that they don't explain things (laughs) the fuck is that shit i know i'm the same boat though um aside from that i think i mean i would like to read something by a latinx author because i (laughs) think that's probably necessary yes Yes, we probably will be doing that. From what I've read on magical realism, that that might make it seem a little less, um, what was the word you used at the start of this? Pretentious? Pretentious. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's also my feeling. I don't know. I don't know. I guess probably something not written for kids just because I feel like hopefully it would be a little less hammer you over the head with the metaphors. Mm -hmm. But maybe not. Who knows? I'm trying to think I've got if I've got any other I, I guess that's it for now. I'll I'll reserve okay. other comments for after we get kind of more into the genre and we see okay. what there is to see. After our uh better example of it. Yeah. Yeah. Classic <laughs> example. Classic example. There you go. Those are words. <laughs> so is there anything that you read this week or recently that reminded you of this? You said you had one um, that kind of related to my frame story discussion. Yes, earlier. if I'm remembering it correctly. I was going to say this put me in mind of another book about childhood, sort of, that is kind of weird and mm-hmm. possibly depressing, I suppose. Um, it's actually a graphic novel. I've been on a real graphic novel kick uh, for my recommendations recently. But uh, Fun Home by Alison Bechdel, um, which is a a graphic novel about 
kind of her relationship with her dad and her relationship with her sexual orientation and her father's relationship with his sexual orientation. Mm -hmm. But it's like framed as like her as an adult kind of looking back on her childhood and these like and also like her early college years, I think, and um, her childhood with her living with her family at the fun home, which was their like abbreviation for the funeral home that her parents ran. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but is written for more of an adult audience. And also it has a musical adaptation, which has a couple yes. of really banger songs in it. Yeah. I've only heard the, um, I've only heard one song from it. Is it Ring of like Keys? The song. Ring of Keys? I think, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> It's very good, you guys. The, the, uh, graphic novel is also super good. I think yeah. I read that in college or something. And it's a graphic novel, so it's a quick read, so you know. Yeah, yeah. And you probably know the author's name from the Bechdel test. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When I, I guess when I, I, when I knew of the Bechdel test, I knew of Alison Bechdel, but I never put the two together until like a few years ago. <laughs> and it just like, to me, I was like, wow, is it that like modern of an idea? I guess I thought the Bechdel test like went back a lot further, but no. I mean, it makes sense that it didn't, but. <laughs> How about you? What you got for this week? Um, I had a couple. I did mention Big Fish earlier by Daniel Wallace, um, mm-hmm. which. It's it's a, it's an interesting book, but I like the movie better. <laughs> a cheat. I know, uh, but it's the story of a man whose whose dad is dying, and he has like a really strained relationship with his father because he feels like his dad tells all of these like larger than life tales and kind of does a lot of one upmanship, and he doesn't know if he can really trust him and stuff. And then he just like I don't know the 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 bulk of the story is just the dad's stories from mm. the past, and it's very good and very. Again, this, like, it's a Tim Burton movie, but also the book itself. It's, like, it's just very magical realism-y and the fact that, like, weird things happen and we're, at the end, we're kind of presented with, it's kind of, like, I guess, interpret it the way you want to, whether Mm. he was lying or not. It's kind of left in the open. But the book that I really wanted to suggest was um, Every Heart a Doorway by Shauna McGuire. Oh, I've heard of this, but I I haven't read it. It's the first book in her Wayward Children series, which is a series that deals with the concept of children who go off to magical worlds, such as like the children in Narnia. They step through a door that takes them to a magical world. Um, There is a school in our world run by this woman named Eleanor who helps the kids that come back readjust to their lives and deal with... um, these their feelings of wanting to go back to that world and not feeling at home in the quote unquote real world anymore. Mm. Um, but it's so it's when I picked it up, I was like, oh, this is going to be like a YA, like, you know, your stereotypical tropey YA thing. But it was actually really kind of dark and creepy and gave mm. me a lot of the same vibes that Skellig gave. It was very unsettling. Yeah. Um, and it is tagged on Goodreads as magical realism, but I don't really think I think it was just fantasy. Like <laughs> you go you go through a door and. You're in a fantasy world, but they're all like different fantasy worlds too. And they have them like on a, they have a map for them. And so they have like nonsense or logical world or evil or good world or, you know, I don't know. It was good. It's a novella. They're all novellas in the series. So they're easy to read. Always a plus. Yes. 100%. (laughs) We read a lot of books here and it's appreciated when they're short. (laughs) We've been doing a really good job of that so far this year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. See if we can keep it up. Speaking of keeping it up, what's up yes. on the docket next? 
Um, next week will be Animorphs. Uh, it will be Animorphs number fuck. I don't know. Twelve? Number Twelve? fuck. I it's... think it's number 12, the reaction. And then the week after that, mm-hmm. we will be reading a submission from yes. a reader. Listener. Yes. Also a reader, presumably, but not of this They podcast. read the book before we did, so. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this one comes to us from our listener, Dan. Hey, Dan. Hi, Dan. Uh, Dan said he's writing because we mentioned Roger Zelazny in, our, in, a la- in the last episode. This was a while ago. Um, and they suggested we should check out his book, Roadmarks. And that it's very confusing at first. And half the chapters can pretty much be read in any order. But it's a fun and unique reading experience. So, And this was in response to our cyberpunk stuff. So yes. just when I thought I got out it pulled me back in yes yes yeah will will uh will it be more similar to murder bot or will it be back to the uh, william gibson side of things Who's well, to say? we'll see we'll see <laughs> yeah so that's our next regular shuffle word. i don't know what to call them now like I, we should come it's the one them. that's two weeks from now guys yeah mm-hmm <laughs> I feel like we should have like a a name for our different types of episodes though. Like uh well we've got Animorphs is the one. Animorphs Monday, Morph Day. We've got Morph Days and we've got Morph Monday, I feel Morph like. Morph Monday. And I don't know. We'll we'll think about it and get back to you guys. Send or us not. your suggestions. I might cut this out. If you do have a suggestion for us and want to let us know about it, you can Send it to us on Twitter at ShelfAwareCast, or you can email us, ShelfAwareCast at gmail.com. As always, thank you to Ben Cope for the use of our theme song. You can check out his YouTube channel in our show notes below. We are also on all of your favorite podcast aggregating platforms, so if you haven't followed or subscribed to us on one of those, you definitely should. If you use Apple Podcasts, we'd very much appreciate a five-star review. But if you do not use Apple Podcasts, it's okay, because we'll let you talk about us anywhere you would like to. Just get the word out there. Shelfware Cast is a great podcast, you guys. In the words of David Almond, he lifted his hand and looked at it in the beam from the flashlight. I'm nearly nobody, he said. Most of me is Arthur. He laughed, but he didn't smile. Arthritis? Bazinga! <laughs> good to know that skelly can still laugh about this oh so happy for him (laughs) and you know what else we didn't make any dead baby jokes so pat's on the back all around proud of us proud of us (laughs) we're growing as people it's amazing